Welcome to this week's episode of the Marked for Eternity podcast, where we bring you biblical truth on topics such as marriage, family, and ministry. This episode is made possible by the Ultra Global Partners. To find out more information about the Ultra Global, please go to thealtraglobal.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Here are your hosts, Jeremiah and Paul Johnson. Welcome to the Marked for Eternity podcast. This is one of your hosts, Jeremiah Johnson. I have back in the studio with me. What's going on, guys? This is Paul. And uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining us uh, again. Looking forward to uh, diving into what God has. I know that we really started unpacking the fatherhood of God in the last episode and um, you know, built some scriptural basis, looked at some of the words that, that Jesus said about the father and then toward the end of the the podcast there we started talking about you know just earthly fathers and you know all of us are on on this search when you say the word father it has all sorts of implications good and bad in people's minds and i think that you were saying you know paul we we all have to step forward and say yes to knowing god as father uh, so I think that's first, but then we also have to say yes to working through some of the baggage, some of the, the lifelong issues. Can you talk to us about some of the, the misconceptions of God the Father or, or anything else that's on your heart? Yeah, Jeremiah. So the first thing that comes to mind right now is um, when it comes to the love of God, it is something that we have to receive, that we have to accept in order for it to bring transformation to our lives. So in Romans 8, when Paul asks the question, who can separate us from the love of Christ? He says, uh, neither persecution nor famine or peril or the sword, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He goes on to say, I am convinced that all of these things, height, depth, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All of those things are external, the persecution, famine, peril, but internally we can separate ourselves from the love of God by saying no and by resisting him. And I believe we reject the love of God by rejecting him as father, because that's the context that he wants to love us in. Jesus revealed God as father. And I think calling him father, I know some people start to flinch or, or twitch or cringe, but Jesus invites us to call him father. The spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and cries out within Romans 8, Abba, father, bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So we have to grow up in Christ by learning God as father, that he parents us that he's taking us out of orphanhood, John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. He's come to us through the person of the Spirit living inside of us to bring us into maturity, to bring us out of those orphan, fleshly, sinful tendencies, take us through a process of healing and sanctification into maturity and sonship. So it's really important to receive God as Father, and I would say to call him Father, to call him Father is important because that's his name. That's who God revealed him self to be as a father. Now, it's interesting in the Old Testament, God is referred to as a father seven times, but he's only the father of the nation of Israel. And then Jesus comes on the scene 
and he's talking about God as Father in a personal way, and it makes the Pharisees in particular really angry because there's something in the religious system and the legalistic mindset that resists that encounter love-based relationship with God as a father. So I would encourage our listeners to call God Father. Uh, Start somewhere. Call Him Father. When you pray, call Him Father. Uh, Really begin to adopt and embrace the language of being a son, a daughter, to God the Father because it's important because that's who Jesus revealed Him to be. You know, I have a close uh, relationship, a, um, a really life-giving, have had a friendship with our dad for a long time, and I call him Pops. I don't call him Joe. Joe is his name, but Pops is his nickname, if you will, because there's an intimacy, there's a relationship, there's a connection. I think similarly, you know, calling him God, yes, that's his name, Yahweh, but again, before he was a creator, he's a father, and Jesus reveals God as father, as a good God, a faithful Father who loves us, who's drawing near to us always. So I think it's really important that we adopt and embrace that language in our journey into the fatherhood of God. Yeah, you mentioned, Paul, you know, religious leaders, you know, going from, you know, the nation of Israel, knowing God as Father in the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, Jesus introduces this whole radical concept of, you know, God as a personal father and you know he he rebukes the the Pharisees and the religious leaders I mean he just like says this wild statement he he tells the the religious that Satan is your father mm-hmm. and you know I'm 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 listening here and I'm like thinking well if we have a hard time calling God our father when we were unbelievers, whether we knew it or not, Satan was our father. You know, our, our dad used to preach, you know, we've all had three fathers, you know, God the father, Satan our father when we were unregenerate, and then we have an earthly father. And so I'm just, you know, marveling over, you know, God's kind intention toward us in the in the new creation, the born-again experience, not not just to, you know, say yes down at an altar and I accept Jesus, but I mean, he really did die and rise again to bring us into a family, the spirit of adoption, and then obviously to introduce us to God our Father. If you you said it on the last episode, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so the the idea of God as Father brings up our wounding, brings up our misconceptions, brings up all of the, the, the stuff within us that resists and rejects the love of the Father. So I want to go through and lay out uh, some of the misconceptions of God as Father. I have 12 of them. This is a longer, more exhaustive teaching. But I just want to hit these and, and give them to you guys to think through, pray through, uh, wrestle through these. So these are going to be misconceptions of God the Father, and Jeremiah, you can interject if you have any thoughts while I'm I'm rolling through these. But number one is the never enough Father. This is when God can never be fully pleased or totally satisfied. He's constantly disappointed in me, even when I'm doing my best and giving it my all. It's never enough for Him. Um, I say that orphans feel pressure, sons feel pleasure, and what eases this for us is recognizing that God is pleased with us, that he loves us, 
I think about uh, Psalm 16, 3, that says, As for the saints who are in the earth, these are the majestic ones in whom is all of my delight. And in wrestling through that, you know, some of the, the most powerful encounters I've had with God started with me saying, I don't believe that. And confessing my unbelief, because if you think First John, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. I say, Lord, I, I know that, but I don't believe that. And I need you to help me because um, love and faith is a huge component of love, right? Love believes all things. There's a, a belief faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Um, It's important that we receive the love of God, that we love him back in that way. But the never enough father, uh, it crushes people. Mm. Uh, People, uh, this feeds performance, which I'll get to, but um, I love the the movie, The Greatest Showman that came out years ago, where she was singing Never Enough. And I was like, man, this is how people view God. It's never enough. So something that was healing for me in my own journey was years ago, the Lord said to me, Paul, your desire to please me pleases me and is enough for me. And that broke off that pressure. A lot of times pressure isn't really external as much as it is internal. Uh, We're tightly wound, we're bound up, we're beating ourselves up, we're hard on ourselves. It's almost like our victories in life. I I think we live and serve the never enough father. And one symptom of that is an inability or an absence of celebration. You know, you get the breakthrough, you see the healing, you experience the miracle, you have some uh, measure of success or, or breakthrough, and it's awesome, and we're like, yeah, that's cool, and then we move on. And because it's never enough, there you can always be doing more for God, and you can get stuck in that hamster wheel and that cycle and get crushed and ground to powder by serving the never enough father. So that's a huge mm-hmm. misconception of God. Yeah, I think that's really powerful, super relatable. What's next, Paul? Uh, number two is the performance-based father. So again, this is they're interconnected, but they're a little different. So the performance-based father is the attitude that God loves me because of what I do and can accomplish for him. Actually, his primary concern in my life is to use me for his kingdom and get results. But the father that Jesus revealed is that God is actually more interested in changing us than he is in using us. I understand we're soldiers in the army of the Lord and there's work to do and we're to fight the good fight of faith. But the the reason why sonship is so difficult for us to receive and accept is because it's not something you can do. It's something that you are. It's something that you receive. You can't do sonship. You are a son or a daughter. It's, It's about being it's about resting and receiving, but we serve the performance-based father when you know we feel like we're doing a good job and therefore we're close to the Lord. And then when we're failing or we're struggling, God is distant and there's uh, a breakdown, there's absence um, in our relationship there. And so performance is huge. We could spend an entire, perhaps we should, episode on performance um, and how it plagues us as orphans. It's it's uh, running rampant in the church. Uh, performance, comparison, competition, jealousy, striving, all of this has to do with serving a performance-based father when really God loves us because God loves us because God loves us. I love what Billy Humphrey says, God made you to love you. And he made us to love us. He made us out of the overflow of his heart. You know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't make humanity because of a need or a lack in God. They made us out of the overflow of love 
and they created us in their image and likeness and they want us to know them and for um you know them to know us intimately acquainted in our ways but performance is nasty performance in perfection you know performance is fed by fear it's a never ending cycle uh, people that are stuck in performance they have the legalistic mindset going on there's a ton of fear the fear of failure is a huge symptom of living and serving a performance based father where um you get trapped in the cycle and it's interesting because no is it all about your performance of course not and when i say performance i'm talking about a motive of your heart okay we're not saying obedience isn't important but when you're coming from a place of being obedient because you're trying to earn favor and earn love which is a motive issue and intentionality issue in your own heart that that is where we get off track and so the fear it's interesting because not that it's about your performance, but when you're in fear, you actually perform more poorly. So you're, you're stuck in this cycle. I like to encourage people, hey, God wants you in his will more than you want to be in his will. Mm-hmm. So the fear of getting it wrong isn't how you get it right. That's actually how you get it more wrong. And Good the point. Lord comes to deliver us from the fear of getting it wrong, the, all the performance stuff. And he teaches us to rest, to receive, to learn our identity, our authority in Christ, and come at a life and problems and pain and challenges from a place of I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. This isn't a matter of my my um, sonship in terms of God's going to reject me or throw me away if I don't do the right things. It's God is my Father. He loves me. He's walking with me. He's faithful to me. Uh, he's going to be gracious to me. He's going to satisfy my years with good things. Psalm 103, renew my youth like the eagle, all of those things. That's understanding the heart of God as Father, that He's for me, He's not against me, that He knows what's best, that He has my best interest in mind always, that even if I don't see what uh, is really going on or what God is up to, I can trust because He's a good Father that he's up to something good, that he's planning and, yes, scheming on my behalf for my benefit and for his glory, that postures me in a position of trust where I don't have to control, I don't have to give in to fear, I can rest. I mean, how many people are afraid of um, you know, not meeting the right one or being unmarried or not finding their spouse and all that? It's like, do you trust the Lord? Can you give that to him? And and it's interesting how many people, whether it's having a physical child or adoption or marriage or whatever the big issue is, that once they finally get to a place of relinquishing it to the Lord and being satisfied in him truly, deeply, thoroughly, that that's when it happens. That's when the moment of breakthrough takes place. I I find that really interesting. Um, people that they, they struggle to have a child, so then they go to adopt, and then when they do, they finally have that biological child. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what God does and how he takes us on the journey into his heart. Yeah, and all of these, I mean, just, just listening today, I'm believing even the listeners are just being washed with good truth about who God our Father is and how important it is to know him um, Paul, let, let's try to let maybe do two more for this episode. Um, so just in review, you, you've talked about the misconceptions of God, the father one, that, that he's the never enough father. We talked about that. Secondly, you talked about the performance based father. 
and uh, talk to us. Maybe let's let's try to do three more. Let's just talk talk sure. through um, what other misconceptions can, can we have or do we have about God the Father? Yeah, you also have uh, number three is the absent, uninvolved Father that God is too busy doing more important things than helping me. You know, it's like God is somewhere out there, but he's not here. And I live my life, I make my decisions, but my daily affairs are of little to no importance to him. You know, but Jesus told us of a father who sees the sparrow. You know, a sparrow can't fall to the ground apart from your father. It's not that God is absent or uninvolved or distant. No, he's close, he's near, he's present, he's um, intimately acquainted with all of our ways. That's Psalm 139.3. So God cares and and he sees and he knows. But when you talk about a misconception, right? Well, if you had an absentee father, if you had a father who didn't care, who wasn't involved, I mean, you could have had a dad in the home, but he never played with you. You you, you know, he, he never said he loved you or, you know, I mean, I, I, I had, uh, you know, one guy tell me once, I knew that my dad loved me, but I wasn't sure if he liked me. Mm. And there was a distance there. I mean, it's interesting, like on the, the episode with Barry and Diane, how much Barry playing with the kids, playing games, shoots and ladders or cards or whatever it was, ministered to the, the hearts of their children. Because like, dad's not absent or uninvolved. He cares. He's He's playing with us on our level. He's interested in just having fun and being with us. And that's really important to kids. And unfortunately, as men in particular, you, know, you can be absent and uninvolved through your work. And I think workaholism, workaholic fathers is a huge issue because, well, who's going to blame you for going to work? You're trying to feed your family, but work can become a God. Your career can be so all-consuming, whether it's ministry or your business or whatever, where there's not time for the kids. And I know that we spend a lot of time emphasizing that revival is healthy marriages and healthy families and that that's what God is after in the earth. That's what he wants for us. So that absent, uninvolved father is a huge misconception. That's a projection onto the Lord, even that we project our own distance and our own sin onto him. Um, number four is the distant and unaffectionate father. So this this thought is like God created the earth and he's let it run. He's cold, aloof disinterested. I can't seem to get his attention. Um, it's interesting the the founding fathers like Benjamin Franklin in particular, um, they believed in a watchmaker God. They were deists, meaning they believed that God, like a watchmaker, created the world and then just let it run. And it's almost like he, he put all the pieces together and then he pulled back and he just watched it happen. That's not the God of the scriptures. That's not the father that Jesus revealed who is present who cares, who is tending to our needs. I love the scripture in John 4, 8 that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, if you read that as an orphan, it can sound like, well, I've got to make every effort towards God and then he's going to like turn around. He had his back to me and he's going to look over his shoulder and be like, oh, hey, it's you again. You know, no, I, I understand that as James can say, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you because God the Father is always drawing near to us. And in the minute that you turn, that you take that baby step like you talked about a couple episodes ago, take the baby steps towards the Lord, boom, here comes the Father to, to, to meet you. The, the, the prodigal son's a long way off. It says he saw him 
from a long way off. You don't see someone from a long way off unless you're looking for them. So God is, is he's drawing near as we draw near to him. You know, unfortunately, I think people view God almost like, um, you remember the commercials? They were more popular years ago with a guy had the uh, fishing pole and there was a like a dollar on the fishing pole and and people would see it and go to grab it and he would yank it like oh he almost had it and I think people feel that way about God it's like man I I almost I almost had him I we we were almost there which is uh, leads me to number five which is the hide and seek Father where God shrouded in mysteries difficult to find when I get close it never lasts. And then my search for him continues, you know, it's like I found God on Sunday morning and I lost him on Monday and Tuesday. And hopefully someone can say something at church on Wednesday night that gets me back towards the Lord. And it's like, no, the father loves to be among his people and the distance is on our end, not his. And I think about the statement of Jesus that nothing is hidden except to be revealed. So God doesn't hide things from us. I believe he hides things for us. I believe he I received a prophetic word one time that God was setting up traps of blessing for me, that I was just going to walk into a trap of blessing and, and be overwhelmed. And that's happened to me in my life. Inexplicable blessing and favor has been and shown to me, and God's been so gracious to me, where it's not, oh, hide and seek. You know, I get it's the glory of God to hide and it's the glory of kings to search him out. But God is, is, is present and he wants to be known. And I think there is an element of those who really want to know him are going to pursue him. But I find that the minute that you turn, that the Lord is, is he's right there in that moment. Again, I think God wants us to know him far more than we want to know him. His desire is for us, is for relationship. And he's not hindered in his thinking or his attempts. He's not sinful. He's not evil. I mean, if, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father give good things to, to those who ask. So the how much more is the, the quantitative, the qualitative statement of if we're evil and we have these instincts to do good for our children, how much more God who's perfect, who's infinite, who's beautiful, how much more does he desire to love us, to bless us, to show us good things. And and that unlocks a, a part of our hearts where it's like, man, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It, it's an honor to be a son to the father. Then, then life in Christianity becomes less about what I have to do and really all about what I get to do, which is that sense of opportunity and favor and privilege that sons and daughters feel where orphans live under a yoke of condemnation and slavery again, uh, full of fear of missing it, of, uh, you know, I have to do these things in order not to go to hell. It's like, well, if you reject Jesus, will you go to hell? Of course you will. But there's more to life than just trying not to go to hell and do the minimum. There's intimate relationship. There's an invitation from God the Father today for our listeners to to come close and draw near, encounter his love, experience his grace, be ravished by his mercy and undone by his goodness and be set free by his truth. And then from that place, we live righteous and holy lives from a place of love and worship rather than this is what I have to do. This is what's commanded of me. No, it's it's a joy. And First John 5 says that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. 
So the command of God isn't a heavy yoke. It's an invitation. And when you understand his heart, that changes everything. We stop trying to achieve. We start receiving. We start living from God rather than trying to do things for God. It's an amazing journey. So good, Paul. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really already looking forward to our next podcast where we're going to continue on in these misconceptions of God the Father. And we want to pray for our listeners today. Lord, we lift up, Lord, every listener today, every heart, every marriage, every family. Lord, we're all on a journey to know you, God, as Father. We uh, just pray, Lord, that you continue to heal us of our father wounds. Lord, we pray for a revelation of your love. Lord, we thank you for your kindness and your tenderness toward us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next time on the Mark for Eternity podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the March for Eternity podcast as we seek to bring biblical truth to this generation regarding topics such as marriage, family, and ministry. We want to give a special thank you to our ultra-global partners who make it possible for us to release fresh content such as this in order to train and equip the body of Christ around the world. If you were blessed by this episode, make sure to go to thealtraglobal.com forward slash podcast to listen to current and past episodes. God bless and thank you for listening.